Dear friends, although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation we share, I felt compelled to write and urge you to contend for the faith that was once all entrusted to God's holy people. And welcome to another episode of Standing Firm, Defenders of Faith. My name is Candace Paul, and I am here with my co-hosts, Darian Eaton and David Chandler. And today we're going to talk about ministry leadership. And Darian coined the term ministry woes or leadership woes. So let's just get right into it. So Darian, what sparked this topic of discussion today? Yeah, well, so what sparked this topic was um, I happened to be on Facebook and I happened to see like a snippet of a YouTube clip or something like that where there was a pastor that put up something divisive um, and he was talking to different people out in the community about, you know, being black and the white people moving out of the community and um, them not being his neighbors because they no longer share uh, I guess the same location as him, so they're no longer his uh, neighbors, and he doesn't have to respect them, so on and so forth. It was just foolishness, and I'm not gonna say it was funny and a ha 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 funny. It was like a harsh humor funny. Like this is what people in leadership do from time to time, and uh, uh, me and my best friend just happened to be talking about it um, because we were in leadership together for a long period of time before we moved into different areas. But, um, and so that just promoted us talking about things from our time together, working in ministry and leadership. And, um, that's how that came about. And so in, in, in hindsight, looking back at it, we were just at, at a place in our lives. I was like, man, this is, this is, this is why we, uh, where we are because of the foolishness that goes on in the church. And so bringing it to you guys or bringing it to our audience, that ministry rules. If you have been a part of the institutionalized church in in like an inner city area, me personally being from Baltimore, there are a lot of churches there's a church pretty much on every corner. There's a church on every corner and a liquor store on every corner. Wow. And so that's it's just what it is. And so we were having a conversation and I said, uh, I said to him about the video, like, this is crazy because for him to be a leader and the, to the first thing that this gentleman, this pastor said uh, was God told me to. And so we transitioned to that. You know what's funny? A lot of these churches, the the leadership does not have the proper uh, fundamental doctrine. Like they do not understand the doctrine the way it should be taught. Or if they do, they don't 
follow it the way it's supposed to be done. They're 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 not orthodox. They don't uh, um, develop strong biblical teaching. They don't operate from a a, a practical standpoint systematically, and they kind of just do whatever they want, or they kind of move at their you know fly. Fly across the room and on on that scene, you know, the seat of their pants, kind of like if I could just say it this way, they kind of just freestyle how uh, ministry should go. And yeah. when I mean ministry, I mean like, let's say for instance, we defenders of the faith decided to be a church. We would just go down to the office offices in our particular city, fill out the right paperwork, possibly get a five hundred one c three. And then I think I'm a great talker. So I'll make myself the pastor. You can be the admin and David can be a, a deacon or whatever. And then we would just start a church recruiting people and getting people off the street to start visiting. Mm -hmm. But we would never operate the way things supposed to be done. And so in my city, from my personal experience and opinion, um, I'm saying it this way because this is not. I'm not gonna say this is the standard, and I'm not. And I'm speaking generally. You know, mm -hmm. what I what I have seen is people who become pastors, whether it's for the right or wrong reason, they don't have that quality. The foundational. I became a a a believer through the gospel. Uh -huh. matured within, you know, three to five years of learning the fundamentals of what we believe, why we believe it, leading others to Christ, and then finding their niche within the church as whatever ministry role that they should have. If they are, let's say, older or have some business acumen, they just start churches. I'm going to be a pastor. And no matter where they are in their walk, they don't they don't match or equate the drive or call to be pastors or shepherds to the books of Timothy, Titus, and, and you know the, the pastoral epistles. They don't look at them. Um, they don't look at those books and figure out what it means to be a bishop or what it means to be a deacon, or what it means to serve in in leadership. They just say, you know what? People listen to me, and I'm going to say what I want to do, and I'm going to do what I want to do. And, and so, uh -huh. go ahead, say, say I, I know I know that, I know that sparked something, so no, give yeah, me some feedback. It did, and, and because I, I see exactly what you're saying, and David and I actually had a show on kind of the word of faith movement and people who who kind of just speak from their own understanding or an experience mm -hmm. and not really using biblical teachings to supplement to back up what they're saying they're just kind of talking so what you exactly. have is kind of like this this motivational speaker type of essence in the church where and people are falling into that role but it's not really i'm here for a reason this was a calling that was put on me 
based off of experiences on my life. And these are, this is the responsibility that I'm supposed to uphold based on the Bible. So really what I've been noticing is that a lot of churches are turning into businesses. It is a business more than a place where people can come to learn about the Christian faith and to start to follow Christ. It's more of a business. So you have people who've gone to school, gotten degrees and all of these things in order to hold certain positions and they're business people and the church is a business. So they need to fill the seats every Sunday and they need to get those donations and they need to pay staff and all of these things. But what we're missing is the community aspect and really the mission and the calling of what people are supposed to be doing. So I understand that pastors and and all of these people have to make a living that please don't get me wrong off that, but we need to also make sure that there's balance because you don't want too much of one thing and not enough of the other, especially in the church, because this is, this is a calling. This is a, this is people's life work you're supposed to bring people to the Lord. So we need to figure it out. So what do you think, David? Yeah. Uh, I, I am uh, very, I, I am in full agreement with what you and Darian stated. If you look at some of the pastoral, pastoral epistles, you have First uh, Timothy chapter 3, and you have First Timothy chapter 3, Verse one, second chapter four, verse one through four. I want to start with the second epistle, well, the first epistle to the apostle Paul. Of course, Timothy was Paul's son in the faith. He was young in the ministry, probably around his thirties, and he was talking to these Paul, the apostles, writing of his prison um, church at Ephesus. And during those days, uh, the church was being pretty much flooded false teachers, false doctrines, especially from, and of course, the city of Ephesus was to a lot of uh, rationalist ideas, Gnosticism, cult, and things of that sort. So, of course, Paul uh, told Timothy, you know, preach the word. So, uh, in the first epistle of, uh, of Paul, the first, well, second, first Timothy chapter says that it is a true saying if a man desires the work of the patient desires the work and then notice all the qualifications that Paul maps out in terms of ministry in terms of the word of the title bishop of course the title bishop comes from the same Greek word meaning pastor the same word presbyter or um, pastors the same word some churches use the word bishop pastor differently. You know, bishop is from a higher archy, higher uh, level of only the food chain, I guess. And you have pastors, you have uh, evangelists, or whatever. But the word past, the word bishop means it comes from the same word presbyter. Words are used interchangeably. Now, verse 2 says the bishop must be blameless, but the pastor must be blameless. Husband of one wife, which without saying, vigilant, sober, the word vigilant, of course, has 
discernment, you know. Pastor has to have discernment. And a lot of pastors nowadays just don't have any discernment. They don't have discernment that from influx false doctrine that we today. Uh, you have pastors that allow uh, contemporary Christian music into their churches. And I don't have a problem with gospel music from the wrong biblical, as long as it's orthodox, as long as it's doctrine. But today's Christian, uh, contemporary Christian music, and now let's look at the, the word contemporary for a moment. The word contemporary means modern. And if you look at most of your you know, modern Christian music, it's not biblical. Word of faith doctrine, it's confused with a lot of charismatic beliefs, and it's just some of it is uh, ranges from new age to just downright ridiculous. So let's move on. Of good behavior, sober. Sober meaning clear-headed, clear-minded. Of good behavior. He has to have good behavior from within and from without. What am I talking about? Well, I'm talking about from within the church and from without the family, people in his neighborhood, community with uh, a lot of his friends that are not in the ministry per se, getting to hospitality after teach. After teaching, you know, he has to have that hunger to inform the members of the congregation. Uh, not getting to wine, not, not no striker, quick to rage and anger, and a lot of pastors are, are quick to anger and a lot of uh, their, you know, uh, even alcohol, you know, wine. Uh, and, and another thing that we need to understand, and me and the GT got into something about the marketing of the cult. What makes a cult from a sociological perspective, as well as a theological perspective? First of all, in a sociological, I'm going to focus on the sociological aspect of cults now, just on the subject of pastors and what is, what is and the roles of the church in today's society, especially within the urban community. When you talk about a sociological cult or a cult from the sociological they usually it usually entails a, a a leader with a strong personality or a strong charismatic personality. You think of the Jim Jones, David Koresh, Charles Manson, all of these individuals, they, they have a charismatic personality and they're very charming and they seem to be very intelligent and they seem to be great oratory, even though they're not talking about it. But their there's their speaking ability encapsulates or they involved in other people uh, listeners. So when you go to the average church and you sit down and you listen to the average pastor and you open up your Bible and you say to yourself, Okay, well that's not scripture. Well, that's not in its right context. But everybody is drawn into what the pastor is saying because of the great oratory, great speaking ability. And he has a strong personality. He has a strong, charismatic personality. He seems down to earth. He seems to get along with everyone. He seems to have that hip-hop type style to himself. involved in people that are like so he doesn't see the need to uh, focus on more or less 
holy living, uh, how to get father, how to how to watch up, how to set yourself against uh, false doctrine. He's not focused on preaching against sin. So that is what you see in a lot of churches. But yeah, um, so in so now I'm going to look at uh, we're going to turn to. Um, First Timothy chapter, Second uh, Timothy chapter four says, "I charge thee, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead as a appearing kingdom." Preach the word. I notice the it's an imperative statement, which notes man. Preach the word. You preach the word. The instant in season, out of season, reprove, uh, rebuke. Exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. The word recruit means to expose. Expose false doctrine. Expose false movements. Expose a lot of the philosophies that are in opposition to the whole word of God. Rebuke meaning to rebuke sin. Rebuke unholy living. To exhort. To encourage. You know, keep the faith. Don't give up. With all long suffering and doctrine. The time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. So, we're there now. We're, we're in this that, that age where people are not going to be drawn to, they're not going to, to uh, tolerate sound doctrine at all, but they're going to keep themselves teachers having itching ears. So we have, that's why we have guys like Noel Jones, uh, Jamal Bryant, and Carlton Pearson, who is in inclusion. All these guys are included, inviting guys like Louis Farrakhan, to their churches to speak because they think that all religions are in synchronicity with each other. And that's what the doctrine of inclusionism is. The whole brotherhood of man. Everybody's going to be saved. Everybody is, is God's child. Oh no. Jesus said to the Pharisees that you are your father the devil and the lust of your father you will do. So we're, we need the gospel. We need the gospel, and the gospel is what saves, not just going to church. And this is what we're hearing in today's church world, the, the doctrine of the new age, which means we all have a, a Christ consciousness. But, um, yeah, like Darian said, being a pastor now is all about the cult of personality. Uh, who can speak? Of the best, who, who has the best clothes, and who can uh, draw the most crowds. It's not about the qualifications that I just mapped out or talked about here in the scripture. Hmm. And what do you feel the danger of this is? Um, the, the danger of it kind of focusing on the feeling and oh, I just want to feel good when I come to church and not really learn anything or just stay on these feel-good messages. What do you think the effect of that will be, Darian? I'm glad you actually brought that up because uh, I coined, I'm not going to say I coined it, but uh, it it was something that popped in my head that um, I, I was talking to my boy Brandon earlier about this. And so let, let, let me take a, a step back 
been unpacked to that point. So the first thing I wanted to address was sensationalism. And so when I say sensationalism, it goes into what you were saying, Candace, about the feeling, how you feel and people people wanting to feel a certain type of way when it comes to um, going to church and the pastor playing on those particular emotions and feelings. Um, as I, I said, there, there's a difference between um, between uh, 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 emotionalism and, and scriptural a scriptural foundation, and that was some things that I had noticed as I was in ministry um, at particular churches. And I've been a minister maybe I want to say three or four years now, um, I, and I was a deacon before that and um just the way things were done to me was was more of like a professional was more of like a professional setting it was it's more so you you join how they how they figure out whether or not you're called for something is if you you have a, a higher communication acumen than the average person oh he can remember more than three scriptures and he can speak he might be a pastor or he might be a deacon let's see if that if i feel like god is calling you to be a deacon or a pastor because you can talk well so it, it, it's crazy because the first thing that i want to point out from my experience is that instead of leadership or pastors passing the torch to passing the torch to people who are spirit filled and called by God to the extent of having a specific purpose, they just pick whoever they feel like will uh, um whoever they feel like will follow their lead, um. and it's it's really like. Oh, I'm the pastor. I don't want you to be better than me. I want you to look like my, I'll use this as an example. Like Paul had Timothy and Titus as his, like the next in line. Like the he protege grew, type thing. Yeah, his protégés. But instead of them making protégés that would stand on their shoulders to see further, they made sure that you, you were good, but you weren't as good as them. Mm -hmm. So, so that's the first thing on top of them um being uh in my personal opinion a, in a, a lot of cases sensationalists meaning they go off their feelings and their judgment instead of the holy spirit leading and guiding them in the bible uh being being the word to to position you systematically they use their emotions as the holy spirit and and their their egos is the driving force to move them forward and so a lot of things i have seen have been done in pride but or or it may be with or, or or other reasons unknown but i've noticed that a lot of times the once once you let's say for instance they they see your gift and, and i'm going to answer your question in a second but i want to bring this around mm -hmm. let's say for instance you have a gift and you go to you're the you go to a church and they're like wow 
I need to use that person. I see they're well-to-do, they can communicate, they're very active, they're willing, and they're ready. I'm going to recruit them. Yeah. Make sure that they, I, I'm going to, I'm going to make sure I'm going to make sure that I recruit them, but I'm not going to allow them to become better than me. If I'm at 80%, that means they have to do about 70%. So there's always a gap between my ability and their ability. The minute that I, I feel like you are becoming better than me, I'm going to pull the reins on you so that you no longer get the level of of I'm not going to allow you to have my platform long enough for you to catch on. Wow. And so that's that's what I've 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 lived that and I've watched it happen to other people. I won't speak on their behalf, but just know that we have conversations other young ministers. I'm 30 and I've been in ministry since I was like 20 23. Uh-huh. And in in church since about twenty twenty two, so and so I've grown. I even went to school so that I know I know systematic theology, but mm-hmm. I learned it on my own because I had a hunger for it. It wasn't a it wasn't a mandate for me to get a certain level of knowledge because I wanted the information because I was excited about God and the things of God's word and just the the Bible says the inexhaustible riches and generosity of Christ. I was excited because I was excited out. I, I jumped in headlong to learn as much as I can about God and his word and to experience God, but not to experience him to the point where my experiences dictated what I believe uh, should be done. And so saying that, I uh, also said this to my buddy, Brandon, that, um, a lot of a lot of pastors become pastors out of hustle, not out of Holy Spirit. Um, they are well to do, and they have they are people are, are able to uh, uh, get people to do what they want. They they can lead. Like if they they would be great project managers or or, or consultants, and because they have a certain level of or a certain arsenal of skills, they say, oh. I think I'm called the pastor. Maybe they are, maybe they aren't. And then they do that. And then because they're well-to-do and they have the financial backing or they're great at marketing strategy and financial planning and things of that nature, they start churches. And they get those people in there. And then they run them like traditional businesses. There is a such thing as church business, but the church business should not outweigh the business of the gospel. And so what happens is they get all get in all of this, um, get this all this machine, this church ma- machine going and cranking in people that we're going to put in this position. He can do he can he can do admin. She can do admin. Oh, he got a great voice. She has a great voice. I'm going to put them. I'm going to put them in in position, not worrying about their home life or their spiritual growth. If I can attract people with music, I'll get them in. I can wow. get more people in. The more people I get in these pews, the more money you get. The big our church is. That's God right there. The success of the finances and the amount of people that have uh, congregated around me as a leader. That's God blessing me. And, and, that, and, and that's what happens. That And that's very deep because 
you know, in some aspects, that kind of sounds like the ends justify the means. We're going to, oh, yeah. you know, and, and it's interesting because in a way, I'm not all the way against it. I just feel like there needs to be balance because, for example, sometimes someone might see something in someone that they don't see in themselves. And if they're put in a position where they're kind of, they must assume some responsibility. And by assuming that responsibility, they end up growing in their faith. That might actually end up being a good thing, but it can be a double-edged sword because if that person isn't ready yet and you're just putting them in there because they have a great voice or they're very charismatic or all of these type of things. And then the next minute they're not, they're not Bible focused. They're not Bible centered and they're just saying whatever they want, doing whatever they want. It might actually have the inverse effect. So I totally get what you mean. It's, there just needs to be a balance. That's what I'm I'm thinking. David, what what do you think? So, but yeah, um so the the thing about it is is that churches are just not focused on much of anything and that's the reason why I stopped going. Um and you know, the churches are nowadays are since they're focused on a lot of postmodernism, there's a lot of postmodernism being propagated today you know your truth is my truth and therefore and so forth and so on it's difficult for a guy like me to stand up and try to proliferate truth because they're not going to people are not going to be listed they're not going to listen they're not going to be they're going to take a step back they're not going to relate well or they're just going to not be bothered with you at all and so that's why a lot of other people are being elevated into ministry a little faster than anybody than me or anyone else would because again your 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 philosophy is based off the bible strictly off the bible and nothing else whereas their philosophy kind of vacillates between spirituality new age and you know pop psychological thinking and a lot of motivational speaking. You hear a lot of motivational speakers getting into the ministry, and now they're they're every five minutes you see some um, some person on Facebook posting a um, I don't know some type of seminar. Whereas you know, empowered to soar and all that. What what does that mean? Empowered to soar. Soar where? What are we soaring for? Empowered to your birth. You are the wow of God. You know all of these so-called slogans is that what the body of christ is consisting of now slogan cute little slogans and, and it, it, it kind of reminds you of the wwe they're filled with slogans yeah you know get these hands and and um you know i'm the goddess the queen and all this other stuff so that's what people are drawn to people are drawn to cute little sayings and slogans and that's what makes the person the person. What, the per, uh, what makes the person the person is not the person. It's not the truth of the word of God. It's not, uh, you know, you know, sound doctrine. It's not any of these things. It's, it's just you being a walking slogan. Hmm. So let me ask you this. 
do you feel like church is necessary now um since there might be so many ways that a person can go and be misguided in church do you think the church is necessary what do you think is an alternative for church if you think it isn't necessary how do you figure that out could you repeat that um basically do you think church is necessary now well the question for both of you by the way so well i i think that I, I don't know. It, it's kind of difficult to say. I know what the Bible says for us to not forsake not the assembling of ourselves together as such this time, um, as the time grows further towards the end and Jesus Christ returning to the earth to catch the church out. But so many true believers are, there's a mass exodus of, of, of true Christians uh, leaving the institutionalized church. And it's not because they don't want to submit to leadership. It's not because of the usual reason that so many other believers will tell, will say. It's because of a false doctrine that's being spread throughout the church world. There, there's no, um, community. There's no, even some of the, the conservative churches, there's no community. Everybody, you know, there's such a generational gap and it's so pronounced. That no one, it, it's, it's just boring. Young people today just find it to be boring until they leave. And they just start off, they start a, a home ministry or they do what we're doing now. They start podcasts where they can just speak on the things that the church refused or topics that the church, is, the church nowadays refused to touch on. Interesting. Darian, what do you think? Okay, so my personal opinion is whether or not the church is necessary um, right now. Absolutely, emphatically, a yes. The church is necessary. The institutionalized church is still considered a facet of the mystical church. Not everyone will be in home churches. Will there be a time where there will be multiple home churches? rather than more institutionalized churches. Yes, I believe that. In fact, we're probably seeing a lot of that now. A lot of people leaving the institutionalized church, as David said. However, will the institutionalized church be um, important in the end times? I believe so. And let me explain why. There is no substitute for the gathering of saints together. That's straight. Bible, hands down, facts. What needs to be done is there should be a repudiation of weak pastors and people should be ousted from levels of ministry that they're not prepared for or retaught and regroomed because it's preposterous that they are the minor are not the factual teaching and systematic theology is the minority. There should not be more false prophets. They should not be the loudest. It should be sound teaching and expose of false doctrine at an all-time level. But the problem is the saints. They are weak now. 
And so I was saying, uh, I was just saying earlier, it's funny because I was literally saying earlier that we are in the place now where too many pastors are selling proverbial dope instead of feeding sound doctrine, that there is a large space in between those who have a sound understanding of the faith and those who do not. So there's a complete separation between the two. It's almost as if it's uh, two different organizations moving at the same time who proclaim to be the same exact thing. But because the the believers are so, oh, I'm not messing with them, X, Y, Z, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, you know, I'm just going to start my own thing. And then it'll be seven people meeting in, in somebody's basement and never actually going, going back into uh, expose the heresy that's being taught in the mainstream circuits of Christianity. So, man. There was a time where there were itinerant preachers. There was a time that would travel circuits. The Bible Belt Beltway was uh, flooded with pastors and ministers and lay people who were interested in hearing the unadulterated word of God or, or uh, speaking the word of God. Now the you we just leave not we specifically us, but we just leave them to their own devices. Let's just leave them there because they're fraudulent, and we know they're fraudulent, and and they're going to hell. And then it's kind of like they their their hands have been washed to them. And arguably, a lot of them probably are not saved because of bad teaching. But the Bible says that we are supposed to go into the highways and byways of the world to pull people out and, and and bring them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may be part of the redeemed. And a lot of the times, us as Christians are too immature, and I'm talking about the real church, are too immature to do the actual work that God has called us to do because it don't it doesn't fit our criteria. I'm speaking to myself as well, because there was a time, there was a time where I just said exactly what I felt like the Lord put on my heart, according to his word, and I stepped on toes. Then I got to the point, ah, let me water it down just a little bit. Then I had to catch myself. I'm like, you know what? I got myself kicked out of a, a ministry as as a, a minister, not a youth pastor or anything. I was the, the next in line to become the pastor. All I had to do was not ruffle any feathers, not step on any toes, walk on eggshells just a little bit, be a little tough, but just uh, uh, subservient enough to the pastor, the the, the uh, head pastor, that he was comfortable with my performance. It didn't matter about anybody else. As long as he was good with it, it was okay. And mm-hmm. we bumped heads because I stood for the word and I was excommunicated. And then he tried to re-recruit me later, but I have not yet gone back into that situation. I don't even know if that's where I should be, but the point I was making is we are called to be the people that herald the word of God. The Bible says not to be ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. And so when you think about that, if they're teaching false doctrine, we are commanded by scripture 
to not only repudiate the false doctrine and expose the heresy, but we are commanded to stand amongst these people and give them the truth. Hmm. Once they reject it, it's a different thing. And you shake the dust off your feet and move on. But you are called to stand in the gap. How many of us actually fast and, and, and pray for opening and, and, and pray for pray for the opportunities to uh, make those moves? No. I, and I'm speaking, I'm speaking to myself because are, are we, are we, are we doing that? Or are we just, are we just saying, Oh, I'm leaving the church because they're not doing it right. And then falling back and then just kind of becoming more insular. That's not what we're called to do. The Bible says, go ye therefore make disciples of every people, every nation, all over the world. And and that's very, wow, that's very important. And, it, and it's deep to think about because with all of this stuff, you kind of have to really at every point check yourself like you have to really make sure that your motivations for doing any and everything are centered around god it has to be and so you know even shying away or deciding not to participate in things or you know saying oh i'm I'm not gonna do this anymore because some people made me feel a certain way or made me and, you know, you don't want it to be focused on you. What are you supposed to be doing? And is this an avenue that could help you do it more? And this is this is very, very, very true. And so I think with everything that you're saying is, you know, there's nothing wrong with those basement communities, um, you know, gathering together for Bible study and, you know, fellowshipping among yourselves. However, you are called to challenge some of these people who are in these positions who aren't supposed to be there and see if you can be that voice to change things. Is that what I'm trying to, is that what I'm getting from what you were saying? In terms of the larger church, the larger church. Exactly. Yeah. Wow. Interesting. So... (laughs) Any final thoughts before we, we close out? Well, I think that uh, we need to, if the church needs to go back to uh, the original mandate that was mapped out in Matthew chapter 28 and the, um, also in um, first, first Timothy chapter uh, 3, and pastors need to stick to the word of God, stick to scriptural precepts. And, and once that happens, then we can, the, the body of Christ can flow freely. If the pastor knows his role, then everybody else is going to know theirs. And I'm not saying this in, in the sense, well, let, let me rephrase. If the pastor knows his role, then the body of Christ can can flow freely. If the pastor is trying to be a dictator, trying to have his name in the limelight, he's trying to be famous, and because of a deficit that he suffered earlier in his life, then the body of Christ can't flow 
in the things of God. They he, they can't really, they don't know because the pastor is all about him. And, you, and, and if you're sitting under a narcissist, then everything is going to be about him. No one's going to be able to see what God can bring to, the, what they can bring to the table as far as uh, the things of God are concerned. So that's what we need to do. We need to go get back to that. And once we do that, once we get back to, you know, you hear a lot of old people say get back to the old landmark. Well, yeah, we need to get back to that because all this new stuff, all this, you know, I call it neo-orthodoxy, neo-orthodox ideas about the word of God and those things. Change is in all ways good. You know, we need to change for the better. But we don't need to change because society is changing. So um, we we need to get back to uh, our grassroots when it uh, and become more bibliocentric, become more Christ-like. Become uh, the leadership needs to stick to um, what sin is, stick to teaching and preaching about uh, exposing sin, exposing. Uh, you know, separation from the world, biblical separation. Romans 16 and 17 says to um, separate from the world, you know, don't have, you know, and to um, have nothing to do with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them or expose them. So uh, I believe that that's where the change comes. Wow. And I think with that, we are going to close out and, you know, leave your comments. What do you all think about the church today? Um, what do you think needs to change? What is your role in helping to change it? And how do you like to fellowship with other believers? Leave it in the comments. Let us know what you think. Also, make sure that you share this episode with a friend. Uh, and always subscribe. Subscribe so that you can get the latest information because we're going to have more topics of discussion. It's going to get more intense and interesting. And, David, tell them what you're planning on bringing out very soon. Oh, yeah, I almost forgot. I'm going to be starting a new series called The Rabbit Hole. We're, we're, I'm going to be talking about um, the Illuminati well, I guess that is kind of, uh, uh, you know, uh, I guess that's more or less uh, redundant. But we're, we're going to be talking about things like uh, the occult, uh, the music industry, entertainment, uh, Hollywood. Uh, what happened with John, John Benet Ramsey? Did she, was she, uh, uh, we all know that she was killed. She was found murdered in her house. But who killed her? Was it the parents? Was it anybody in her family, or was she a sacrifice? Was she sacrificed to the the, the devil? Uh, I'm going to be talking about um, our founding fathers. Were they Christians, or were they not Christians? Was were they involved in a conspiracy to change America to what we see now, uh, or were they? Yeah, or who were the 40 signers of the Declaration of Independence? Were they all Masons or were they all Christians? Thomas Paine and all those other guys. So uh, join me. You know, I'm going to be starting the rabbit hole uh, June 13th. So uh, ho hopefully I get your support. 
and um wow well we'll we'll make sure that we provide all the information to david's uh podcast on the rabbit hole so you will not miss that so once again make sure you like subscribe and share and until next time peace